Hello, I'm Darren Heath, and I'd like to introduce Caroline Stockman, Chief Executive of the Association of Corporate Treasurers. This is the ninth of our Strategic Insights series of short podcasts where Caroline draws on her wide corporate, not-for-profit, exec, non-exec and coaching experience to share some valuable insights developed over a full and rich international career. Today, we're going to explore leadership versus followership. Thanks as ever, Darren. We all want to be leaders, right? Well, maybe not all of us though the corporate world has tended to encourage that thinking. Then at a certain point, leadership gurus start to say, well, what if people don't follow? How can you then have leadership? So then followership became du jour, and it wasn't so bad after all not to want to lead on anything and everything. A lot of what I talk about in this series of podcasts applies to whether at any point in time you are a leader or a follower. And indeed, we're likely to transition between these states regularly. There's lots of academic research on the subject, and you can Google to find out more. Durham University's Business School came up at the time I prepared this podcast as fourth when you type in leadership and followership, and you immediately are presented with a huge list of writings and research. In this series of podcasts, however, my focus is on what I've learnt through experience and regard as essential helpful knowledge. So here goes. It's common sense, right? Not everyone can lead. There's just not enough room for that. Hence the expression, too many chiefs and no Indians. Classically, organisations are designed as pyramids. What could be clearer? And of course, the leader needs to be followed, by definition. And if not attractive enough as a leader, then someone else will take over. But if we forget politics for a moment and we take a certain status quo where the leader is clear and others need to follow, what will help them do just that? Research carried out in a number of fields all comes back to the same conclusions. Leaders need to inspire others to follow. But what does that mean? If we think of the carrot and stick analogy, it's been shown that the stick approach of policing and punishing only has a limited shelf life. People find ways around the system, they rebel and they undermine. The carrot or pull approach, however, has lasting impact, though I'd suggest that it's not as crass as giving a tangible reward or prize for the right behaviour, but rather it manifests itself in demonstrating real leadership in the form of doing something that others are engaged with and want to follow or even emulate. So if you want people to follow you, what do you do? First of all, you need to build trust, and we've touched on that already a few times in this series. You need to set the right example, walk the talk, take calculated risks in doing the right thing, allow yourself to be held to account and show appreciation for others in all that they do. It can seem quite daunting, but if you lead with passion and conviction, then people will indeed follow. And there are lots of books on the subject where you can learn much more than I can give in five minutes. But then there's the question of followership. How good are we at that? I think we're encouraged through corporate systems and society to try to be leaders, as that's the measure of success. We compete to show we have better ideas, have better results, and by definition put others down and try to demonstrate that they're not very good leaders anyway. But if we're a team player, and that, strangely, although encouraged, does not quite fit with being a leader in the way the latter is often presented to us, then our role becomes very different, and we'll switch, at times rapidly, between leadership and followership. Followership involves us putting aside pride, feelings of competitiveness, and our ego, in order to let someone more suited to leadership at the particular point in time take over. And we have to judge when we need to do this, sometimes despite a substandard leader being in place. Followership can come in different forms, 
It can mean acting like a sheep. Follow a sheep was a term coined by Hurwitz. I like it. Being a yes person. Doing it with a grudge. The motivational state of obligation, which I'll talk about in the next but one podcast. Or ideally, being an effective follower. McCallum talks about the key elements to successful followership being judgment, work ethic, competence, honesty, courage, discretion, loyalty, and ego management. I recall a particular situation some years back when I was with Unilever overseas and was working alongside employees from a large multinational as our joint venture was trying to buy a popular Asian drinks brand. It was a complex scenario with a seller wanting our distribution chain, which was run by a local bottler. To cut a long story short, my joint venture colleagues wanted to be the leaders and would not take a followership or team role at any point in the negotiations, nor collaborate with the locals who all collaborated with each other very effectively. They created a kind of standoff and they wouldn't take on my recommendations, although I was more tuned in to what was happening locally and they'd just flown in from the States so had no appreciation of the local culture. Their judgment was poor as they didn't have the necessary ego management skills and they assumed that they were right in all their beliefs, a la ladder of inference, because they represented such a well-known global brand. The deal fell through and the bottler and brand owner worked together directly instead. There was no moving between leadership and followership in this example, which led directly to failure, whatever way you looked at it. I've also experienced a number of times in my life where I've initially wanted to take the lead, but then realised someone else was better at it than me. This includes a time at, say, the Children International, when I just wasn't the right person to be in the meeting, and for whatever reason, one of my team had a better rapport with whoever we were meeting, so I stood down. Another occasion was at the British Council, when we were running some fraud prevention workshops, and I decided my direct report, who was ex-homicide squad with the Met Police, would deliver a far more engaging presentation on the subject than I would. Discerning when to lead and when to allow others to, and when to follow, is to me at the heart of effective leadership. Well, that concludes the ninth podcast of the series, Caroline. Looking forward to number 10, when you'll talk about fear and how to deal with it. Do come back for that one. But in the meantime, from both of us, goodbye and thanks for listening. 